It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Y'all know who it is. It's your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every single day of the week here on the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to this show and all of your favorite shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Where tomorrow, Friday, I'll answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. I've already gotten a ton of them this week and very excited to get to those questions tomorrow as Matt Rule and his chaotic energy are taking over the Carolina Panthers, and I absolutely love it. You have to typically go to Bravo to find this level of dysfunction, but nope, not right here in Carolina as the Panthers are sitting at 5-8, and eight, headed on the road to Buffalo next on, well, on Sunday, not next Sunday, but this Sunday in the game of the year for Charlotte, North Carolina, as we have the Panther fans who are from here and live here or just adopted the team wherever they came from. And then there's the Buffalo Bills fans who have taken over a city and covered it in wing sauce and blue cheese. It's okay. Tavern on the Tracks had great times there. Love Lebowski's, Bizantes, all the great spots here owned by JJ's Red Hots, all the great spots in here in town owned by Buffalo people. We love them. They're a part of our city. But also, you got to chill out with all this Bill stuff, which makes today's episode Super fun because we're going to talk to one of those Buffalo transplants, Joe Marino. Did some work with him back when I was at WFNZ. Um, I also have had him on my old pod, the 704 that I was doing last summer to talk about the Panthers draft class. He works for the Draft Network where he does a great job for them. And he, you guys check his stuff out. Follow him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. But he also is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network where he hosts the Locked On Bills podcast because it's Thursday. We're going to have our crossover episode. So very excited to sit down, talk to my buddy Joe Marino on the show today. But before we get there, have to say hello and thank you to our friends over at Stat Hero who support this show and everyone across the network. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better, but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero head to head is what daily fantasy sports should be one on one. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joined by Julian Council, the outstanding host of the Locked On Panthers podcast, here to share perspective on both sides of Sunday's matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Carolina Panthers. A lot of ties between these two organizations, a lot of ties that I have, right? I, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. My wife's a big Panthers fan. That's not me, right? I'm from Buffalo. I'm a Bills fan. So we've, uh, we've got some fun layers to dig into here today as we talk about this matchup from both sides of the coin. And, and Julian, I want to start where I think we have to start, and that's a quarterback situation. We went into the week hearing that it could be a rotation, two quarterbacks playing between Cam Newton and P.J. Walker, and then we wake up on Wednesday and we find out that Sam Darnold's been activated or designated to return from injured reserve. He practiced on Wednesday. Julian, what's going on with this quarterback situation? Oh, yeah, Joe. You you bring up the ties. Uh, We know that at least half of Charlotte will be happy on Sunday, depending (laughs) on the result. Because half of them seems to be uh, Panther fans, and the other half seems to be all the folks like you who moved down from the great city of Buffalo down to the Charlotte area. But as far as the quarterback situation, what a mess right now. Uh, Matt Rule, I'm kind of loving his chaotic energy. He came out, like you said, on Monday, talked about how they feel like they're going to continue to play two quarterbacks. And then on Wednesday afternoon, when he spoke to the media, he reaffirmed that. He's going to play both Cam Newton, who's going to start, and then he'll also mix in some P.J. Walker, but in the next couple of weeks, Sam Darnold, who's been designated to return from IR, could possibly be back into the fold. Could we have a three-quarterback system here in Carolina? It feels like it's trending that way. I don't know. I feel like the most prudent thing for the Carolina Panthers to do is to play Cam Newton, all of the snaps moving forward for the next four weeks. I don't know how confident I really am in Cam showing the Panthers enough. And it's not like it's the greatest situation for him to be in, trying to learn the playbook. And is just where they're at with Christian McCaffrey gone, Robbie Anderson, who had his best game on Sunday, the regression that he's had, and the offensive line injuries, and also just being one of the worst offensive line units in the National Football League. How can you really get a good look at Cam Newton and make a solid determination on whether he should come back in 2022 in any sort of role as a quarterback of this team? But it looks like on Sunday, he'll be the starter. He'll probably play the majority of snaps, but also in two-minute situations, maybe four minutes throughout the end of the game, you could expect to see P.J. Walker in there to mix things up. And Buffalo, at the very least, has to prepare for two quarterbacks. Two of them, at least one in P.J. Walker, is not going to strike any fear in your heart. And then another one who they should have a decent understanding of with Sean McDermott having been here in Carolina and also them seeing Cam last year in New England two times. Are you? Are we dismissing the idea that Darnold's going to play this week? Is that on the table or no? Yeah, Matt Rule said he's not going to be okay. available uh, until probably a, maybe next week or two weeks from now. But he's not ready to go. He's just going to go through some drills. He's not quite sure when he'll be back. I got to give you some credit because – as soon as the Sam Darnold trade happened, or as soon as the speculation happened, you were like, no, <laughs> don't want anything to do with it. And even, look, I'll, I'll even say, like, I had a little wiggle room that's like, well, maybe you get this guy away from Adam Gase. You get into Carolina. They got some nice weapons down there. 
you know, maybe there is something to Sam Darnold, but my goodness, I think he's told us exactly who he is in the NFL. And it's unfortunate that the Panthers are on the hook for that fifth year option next year, which I think was a major miscalculation, but here we are. And so the quarterback situation is a weird one in Carolina. We're going to see Cam Newton. We're going to see PJ Walker. And that leads me to your perspective on the offensive weapons. Obviously no Christian McCaffrey in this game. DJ Moore's kind of working through an injury right now. What are your expectations for what we're going to see at receiver, tight end, running back? And, um, you know, what type of, what type of threat you think that they pose to the bills on Sunday? Yeah. DJ Moore is going to play. He's got a hamstring. He's listed day to day starting on Monday. He could have actually, they ruled him out on Sunday, but he said, no, I'm going back in the game as they're trying to come back and beat Atlanta. So that toughness that he shows is absolutely something that Matt rule loves. Now being in the cold in Buffalo and trying not to have that tighten up is going to be a major concern for the Panthers staff going in to Sunday, but I expect him to be available and he's not gonna be hundred percent, but he's going to be the best wide receiving option that they have out there. Robbie Anderson, as I mentioned earlier, seven receptions, 84 yards and a touchdown on Sunday was by far the best performance he's had all season long. Maybe we're going to start seeing more out of him as kind of the expectation we saw with Sam Darnold coming with these weapons this season was the former connection that they had back in New York when they were playing with the jets. Maybe you were going to get to see a lot of that this season outside of the 57 yard touchdown past week one against their former team, the jets. You hadn't seen that. So I'm hoping now to see Robbie Anderson step up Terrace Marshall, he was um, inactive back in Miami a couple weeks ago, coming up the bye. They activated him against Atlanta. He has not had a big impact. And then a number three wide receiver has yet to emerge for the Carolina Panthers after losing Curtis Samuel to free agency to Washington, where he's been injured. It's not like it's been that big of a deal, but it has been a loss for the Carolina Panthers to not have him and not have Christian McCaffrey out there. Shuba Hubbard. He's going to get the majority of the snaps at running back, him and Amir Abdullah, who's better as a pass-catching threat where Hubbard's going to run in between the tackles and outside of the tackles, not great at the backfield in terms of catching the football. So that's what you're going to expect as far as the Carolina Panthers' weapons. And also expect Cam Newton to be a part of the, the run game. They definitely mixed in more runs last week with new offensive coordinator or play caller Jeff Nixon. Expect to see a lot of that too, maybe 10 to 12 runs if possible with Cam Newton under center on Sunday. Now, Julian, you kind of already teased your thoughts on this offensive line and I think we all know it's a, it's an issue. Got a stud there in Taylor Moton at right tackle, and it's amazing to me how well he continues to play with lackluster options all around him. I think some major free agent miscalculations in Pat Elfline and Cam Irving and Matt Paradis a couple of years ago. What what do you make of this offensive line? You know, what are they doing to try to overcome it? You know, because I I think we can all understand that they're undermanned at four spots. Have, yeah. have they been creative with chipping, or is it just the five, six man protections and good luck. It's just, well, here's the thing too, with Joe Brady, who got fired, the former OC. It's not like he did a ton to help out this offensive line, like with the tight end chipping and trying to give guys like, you know, Brady Christensen, who's a rookie who a lot of Panther fans want to see. He didn't really get a ton of help when he's been asked to play right tackle or to play left tackle this season. He can say the same thing for what Moten doesn't need it, but Cam Irving, he's someone who struggled and you saw one of the free agent miscalculations. Like they got to give him some help interiorly, I don't know what they're going to do when it comes to the guard and center positions. Like, I don't know how much help you can really give those kind of guys. And also not having Chris McCaffrey out there, who we know is a great running back. We know he's great at the backfield, but also he's absolutely special when it comes to pass protection out of the backfield. And that's one of the things that folks don't really pay attention to when it comes to running backs. And he's very key to pass protection here in Carolina. That is extremely lacking. The offensive line just, they're not good. And I give them a little bit of leeway here because of the fact that they've had a lot of injuries this season. You've seen Cam Irving go on IR. You've seen Trent Scott, who just came off the COVID list. He's, he's come off now. You've seen John Miller be on IR and be injured multiple times. 
Paradise is out for the season. Elfline's been on IR. That's what four offensive linemen that's been in, on injured reserve this season. You're not going to have success no matter who you are in the National Football League when you have that many offensive line injuries and not being able to have the continuity. And had they had the continuity and been healthier, I believe they would have played better this season. Will they still be a very bad unit? Yes, which is the main issue here in Carolina. Outside of Taylor Moten, you can't really trust anyone. And fans want to see a rookie in Brady Christensen. And in an ideal, perfect situation, yes, he would be playing more. But what Matt Rule wanted to do was allow him to develop and sit behind these guys and learn one specific position opposed to having to play him at right guard, at right tackle, at left guard, and at left tackle, which is just not healthy for any sort of rookie in their development going into the season. So I don't have a ton of confidence in them moving forward. But we see they, we've, had, we've seen them play well a couple times, um, a couple weeks against Arizona. And it even followed it up a uh, decent performance. Well, actually, Biden was terrible. So we haven't really seen that many great performances from them, but they are capable sometimes, but not really most of the time. Well, let's let's flip the chapter here to the defense. And obviously, there's a much better story to tell there on that side of the football where there's a lot of exciting young talent, you know, statistically one of the best defenses in the NFL. And so I'm sure that Bills fans probably haven't seen much of this Panthers football team, but the defense is playing well. And so if you were to kind of describe this unit some of the stands out, standouts and what makes them so effective on defense. You know, how would you uh, how would you present that to Bills Mafia? Well, they're fast. That's the one takeaway that we all got week one and week two when they were really the first three weeks when they played um, the Jets, the Saints, the depleted Saints team at that. And then the Houston Texans got off to that three and start. You can't beat these guys going sideline to sideline. The only way to beat the Carolina Panthers defense is by going right at them, which they're fast, but they're not physical which typically is what the Carolina Panthers used to be physical, maybe not the fastest unit. They've gone with speed and athletes, which I like, and that's kind of not modern football. There's always a thought of the positionless football player on defense, which I don't really understand the whole concept because like you do have to play a position, but you have guys like Jeremy Chin who can be moved around and who can play linebacker fast to do. He's been more of a safety this year. He struggles in coverage at times, but he's had his tackle numbers has been up the highest on the team this so far this season. He's had another good year. Shaq Thompson, was lights out early on in the season before he injured his foot. Since coming back, he has not been as good as we saw early on. Hassan Reddick might be a pro bowler. He already has double-digit sacks again this season. He's going to be a free agent this year. He's one of the priority signings that they're going to need to go out there and try and bring back. Brian Burns hasn't had the season I thought he was going to have in terms of his sack numbers. He's solid for the most part. The one issue is we saw on Sunday – um, against Atlanta, they kept running that wide zone over to his side on the left where he's lined up, I guess, on the right side of the defense but left side on the offensive line. And he's not great against the run. So in Buffalo, not a team that really runs the football that much. But if they were going to have success, that's the way to go against the Carolina Panthers and that team. The secondary, though, Stephon Gilmore finally played 100% of the snaps on Sunday and the loss against Atlanta, just as good as he was back in New England. You guys have seen him throughout the years. He's a problem. You've also seen guys like EJ Bouye. He's had a pretty good season. And they've mixed in a little bit of Keith Taylor, the rookie, and CJ Henderson, who they traded for a couple weeks ago, I guess a month and a half ago, from Jacksonville. But he's really not playing all that much for the Carolina Panthers. They're a fast unit, not a physical unit, but still one of the better ones in the NFL that's kind of worn down over the last couple weeks as teams have found out the formula of being able to run the football against them and also the lack of aptitude on the offense that has not stayed on the field long enough to get these guys a break and get them a rest throughout this what's going to be a 17 game season. So Julian, as we kind of bring this to head, and this is like the last question that I have for you, and it's might be a little bit complicated, but sure. When I, when I look at the Carolina Panthers, I see a team with a lot of questions without a lot of easy answers, right? You've got a, a coach that I think that there's 
some loss of faith in, and, and Dave, uh, excuse me, and, and Matt Rule gave him mm-hmm. a massive contract to come over from college. There's questions there, and he's got five left, five years left on that big deal. You've got a quarterback situation that is not great, right? Uh, you're locked in on Sam Darnold next year, um, but you know we we don't think he's an answer. And so, when you look at those issues, you have an offensive line that's in shambles. You have a limited amount of draft capital. You have a limited amount of of cap space, right? I feel like this team is kind of in a desperate situation, and you have an owner in Dave Tepper that. I think he has the makings of a next Jerry Jones type figure in the NFL if he's not already that, right? And so that yeah. should help kind of bring this together and that Dave Tepper's probably pissed, right? Like this is not what he envisioned his football team looking like at this point in its life cycle. And so as you apply everything and you nodded a lot with what I said there. So I'm guessing you're in agreement. Yeah. How do you how do you think that affects this game, right? Because they, the NFC, let's face it, really good teams at the top but those last two playoff spots have really – it's changed every week to six and seven seed. Carolina's in it, right? Like, as weird as it, as it sounds, they're in it. And so you feel like you feel like there's, like, a desperation that we could see. Could we see goofy stuff, onside kicks and uh, weird plays on special teams, trick plays on offense? Like, is this the type of game where you think they could empty the bag? And do you think that I'm on target here with kind of the dynamics of this organization coming to a head in this football game? And, like, what do you think those implications are for Sunday? That's a great point you bring up there, Joe. Uh, David Tepper, I-, I compared him last week to Jimmy Haslam, who also used to be a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, now owns Cleveland Browns, and we've seen how that's gone. He has been a terrible owner. David Tepper, he doesn't tamper or meddle. He's an active participant in what happens inside the organization in the front office with the Carolina Panthers. I get it. $2.25 billion liquid, straight cash, homie. So I, I would be doing the same thing if I spent that much, that kind of money. And you're four years into this thing where his first year, he sees Cam's shoulder fall apart. Second year, Cam gets hurt and they got to watch Kyle Allen for the majority of the season. Last year, he finally brings in his own guy, Matt Rule. Doesn't expect a ton, but got sick of Teddy Bridgewater, which led to the whole quarterback carousel of trying to go out and get Stafford and trying to get uh, Deshaun Watson and then landing on Sam Darnold because he's not patient enough to watch Matt Jones or Justin Fields develop over three seasons. And I, I kind of get it. Like, I don't want to wait either. And a lot of fans don't want to do the same thing, but the guy, especially paid the money, he's not sitting here waiting for uh, the rookie to hopefully be the right guy. And as you saw in Buffalo, it took a couple years for Josh Allen to finally make that jump. Carolina doesn't have a couple years. Matt Rule doesn't have a couple years. And I love that you bring up, might we see some sort of desperation on Sunday afternoon? The only time in his tenure where we've really seen Matt Rule put out all the stops was last season on the road against Kansas City, where they took them down to the final seconds in that game because they understood we're outmanned here. The Chiefs are a better team. They had fortunately gotten Christian McCaffrey back for that game. Her opening drive of the game, they go for it on fourth down, score a touchdown, and they were aggressive the entire time. Fake punt, it didn't matter. I expect that on Sunday because they're going to understand that Buffalo, who in the AFC at seven and six, is desperate too to be a team that can make the wild cards. It looks like the division, unfortunately, might be out of reach for the Bills this season when there's so much expectations um, coming in, especially about the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I expect to see a Carolina Panthers team, at least with the coaching staff, that knows that if they lose the next four weeks, it could be curtains for them. I'm of the opinion that a coach should at least get three years, especially if you're going to give him a seven-year, $60 million deal and then dub him as a program builder. That was just back in January 2020. If you believe that then, you should still believe that now. And his track record, at least back in college, suggests that he will figure things out by year three. Do I have a ton of confidence that's going to happen? Not necessarily. 
But Sunday is an important game for him to at least try and stay within the playoff race. because they, they spent way too much draft capital on guys like Henderson and Gilmore, even though that's not until 2023. And in signing Cam Newton to try and win this year, when really they probably should have just been building towards the future instead of trying to make the second year the year to get things done. When year three really was the year where they needed to get things done when we all thought about Matt Rule when he first came to Charlotte. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do on Sunday afternoon when they head up to Buffalo. I, I do expect uh, them to be aggressive like you brought up there. More of Joe Marino in just a moment. As we're counting down the days of Christmas, there's this new apparel company that you guys need to know about. It's called Stance. They just launched a new active apparel line. It's the perfect holiday gift. Their stuff is so comfortable, incredibly well-made. Their socks, their shirts, their joggers, and hoodies. You got to check them out. Get them for someone in your family who definitely would love to have something like that from Stance. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings in eight typical aesthetic alongside of some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in that those who feel good do good go see for yourself register for an account at stance.com and get 15 percent off your first purchase use promo code lockdown at checkout to apply enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As the football season continues, it's March towards the playoffs. BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from the NBA, college basketball, the NFL, college football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, back here, Locked On Panthers, Julian Council. It's a crossover Thursday with my buddy Joe Marino, also here in the great Queen City of Charlotte. And it is the game of the year for the Charlotte, North Carolina with the Buffalo Bills, half of Charlotte's favorite team, and in the Carolina Panthers, the home team here in Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, Joe, looking at this matchup, and I'm more interested just on the whole of what's gone on with Buffalo this season. Because coming into the year, as I kind of alluded to prior to uh, the quick break that we had here, the Bills had all the expectations to be a Super Bowl contender. Won 13 games last year, made it to the AFC title game. But so far, things have not necessarily gone according to plan at 7-6, and six, sitting in a wild card spot. AFC East seems like it's not going to happen. What has gone wrong for Buffalo to not have met up to the expectations, at least as of right now? Because it's the AFC still wide open, but to sit at 7-6, and six, I don't think a lot of us thought that would be the case 14 weeks into the season. Yeah, it's a situation where they haven't played well in one-score games. And when you look at the 13 games that the Bills have played so far this year, seven times they went out and completely dismantled their opponent one big. Five times they lost a one-score game, and then one time they got blown out by Indianapolis. In those five-score, five-one-score games, four times they had a chance at the end of the game with the ball to win it, and, and they weren't able to do it. And so their fortunes in one-score games have really turned upside down compared to what they were last year. And so it's led to a lot of questions, maybe unnecessary questions about you know the toughness and uh, what the makeup of this team is and if they're still hungry like they were last year when I think it's been a good reminder for the fan base and the team that the margins in the NFL are slim. And last year, the Bills went on this big run late in the season, 
margin of victories off the charts, like really just going out and handling their business in a big way every single week, uh, really ever since that Arizona game, the, the Hal Murray play, the Bills really used that to propel them moving forward. They won out the rest of their games. They won two playoff games and you know found themselves in the AFC Championship game. And so rightfully so, they earned a lot of expectations this year. And so embracing that vantage point of being the hunted, right, it has been something that I think they've struggled with. And there have just been times this year where you kind of think that the Bills walk on the field and expect to expect the game to go a certain way. And when it doesn't, they kind of struggle to just embrace the back and forth nature that is the NFL. And so I, I thought they did a better job of that in the Tampa Bay game. And unfortunately they lost, they weren't able to finish the, a really good comeback effort and wound up losing in overtime. But for a while there from that stretch, from really that the Kansas city game where they won their fourth in a row to get to four and one to where we are right now, there's been a lot of very inconsistent play, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. You kind of felt like they were pressing a little bit. They were kind of getting away from what, their bread and butter has been as they try to, you know, recapture some hype for the season. And at the end of the day, it's, it's still right there. I know that it would seem that it's unlikely that the bills could win the AFC East, but you've got four games left. You got three at home. One of them's home against Carolina. Then you go to the Patriots at home against the jets and Falcons. You like your chances there and, and to, to win three or four of those games. And if they go three and one, there's an 88% chance of them making the playoffs based on the New York times playoff machine. They win all four. There's a hundred percent chance and a very good chance that they win the division because that would include a win over new England and new England lost to Miami earlier in the season. And so they would have that tiebreaker. So it's still all up there in front of the bills to, to achieve a lot of what many expected them to do, but they got to catch fire. And I think the hope is that what they showed in the second half of that Tampa Bay game was exactly what they needed to launch them forward and, you know, kind of put aside some of the inconsistencies that have plagued this team and, you know, go on a heater here and get to the tournament and see what happens. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. There's, that's been the common sentiment throughout the week is that second half. Cause you look at it, the, the Monday night football game against New England, where they only attempt three passes, run it down your throats there in Buffalo. I feel like that had to be the nadir of the season. Then you get the halftime on the road against Tampa Bay in a spotlight game there on CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo on the call. And it's just like, what another feels like a no show for the bills. But to come back, have an opportunity at, at the end of that game to potentially win it, go to overtime, unfortunately lose. Does that feel like that is the turning point? Like, are you buying into the Bills, I guess, finding something there in that second half that's now going to propel them, especially when you look at that final four-week uh, uh, stretch that you bring up there with the schedule? Yeah, I think that, you know, as I interact with a lot of fans, I get a lot of emails and, and direct messages and things like that. It, it, one of the resounding themes is that, it felt like 2020. It felt like 2020 watching that team in the second half and seeing them scratch and claw and Josh Allen make big plays in the passing game and having some opp opportunistic runs and, you know, kind of tightening the screws on defense. You, you were reminded of what you fell in love with, with the 2020 team that created these expectations. And so there's plenty of reason to believe it, but I guess one thing that you always have to keep in mind in any area of life, particularly in football, is that the best indicator of future performance is past performance. And the 2021 Bills have told us that they're an inconsistent football team. They've also told us that they're a capable football team. And, and so if they do, if they do exactly what I think everyone hopes and uses that as the launch point, you know, they can really have a, a really successful end to the season. There's good leadership, there's good coaching, there's good players, right? Like there's 
not a whole lot that you look at and say, wow, that's going to be the, the fatal flaw that prevents it from happening. You know, I think it's very favorable to go out and do it. Now it's time for this Bills team to meet the moment and show that this is that launch point. Josh Allen, we talked about him. We talked about the Panthers and just what they're going to try and do at quarterback and just not being patient enough to sit there and wait for a guy to develop. I think Josh Allen now is the model for what you're hoping you can get out of a quarterback with that year three, that huge jump. And because of that, because they got to the AFC title game, he got broke off this summer with a massive extension. And honestly, good for him. He earned it, and he's absolutely the face of the franchise there in Buffalo. Looking at the next four weeks, it's got to be all about Josh Allen and what he can do to propel this team because he's getting paid that kind of money to be able to take this team to a Super Bowl. What have you seen from Josh Allen this season that kind of maybe gives you confidence that he is now ready for this moment, the next four weeks, where he can carry this offense that has become very pass heavy. And I give Brandon Bean, who formerly assistant GM here in Carolina, a ton of credit for building the offensive line and giving him weapons, particularly Stephon Diggs last year and and Nicole Beasley, who was an all-pro last season. What do you see from Josh Allen that gives you confidence in him moving forward the next couple of weeks? Well, I, I think the throughout the entire season this year, or at least entering the season, there was some doubt. Like, all right, was was 2020 the real Josh Allen? Is that what we can expect moving forward? Did he benefit from empty stadiums, right? Can he play in front of fans? Like, these were talking points that we had over the offseason. And I think it, at a minimum, what he's shown this year is that, yeah, that's that's who he is. That's the type of player that he is, and he's having a very good season. But at the same time, going back to what I said, in these one-score games, you know, five one-score games that they lost, 0-5, four times they had a chance at the end of the game to win it. And, and that means Josh Allen had the ball in his hands. And so, you know, like, I, I think a lot of it's self-inflicted wounds, dropped passes. I mean, like, Josh Allen had thrown game-winning touchdown passes that guys just didn't catch. Uh, or bad penalties, right? False start. You, you're threatening. You, you have a false start. You have some type of uh, holding penalty that puts you behind the sticks. You know, it's been self-inflicted wounds, but at some point, Josh Allen, you know, to really affirm the investment that the Bills made, you know, the stats are nice. The big plays are nice. The highlight real moments are nice. You got to come through in those moments. And again, it's not just a Josh Allen thing. There's other players that need to step up and you know, just less self-inflicted wounds, but I think that's the big thing here the rest of the way is those moments, Josh Allen, it's, it's hard to ask him to do more than he does. You know, he's yeah. such a big part of like the team. He puts them on their back. He's so tough, so physical. He runs, he'll put his body on the line. I mean, he can make throws that nobody else can make. Like, it's hard to say that you need more. I think you just need more consistency in those critical moments to just do the normal thing, right? Like just do the normal thing. Keep the offense on schedule. At the end of the day, you're the quarterback, right? So if guys aren't lined up, right. If you have a false start, like it kind of comes back to you. And so I think that's the big thing the rest of the way is for Josh Allen to meet those moments that he has in the past and just, just win a close game. I think that's what, I think that's what everyone's looking for at this point. I mean, and being 0-5 in those one-score games and then, what, 7-1 and outside of that, like to still be in, in firm playoff position just tells you how good of a team Buffalo actually is still is and what they could be had they maybe won half of those, yeah. those games and been right in position for the AFC East. And before we get over to the defense, let me ask you about this. Brian Dable was one of the hot coaching candidates last year. Has the luster kind of worn off this season with him as the Bills had that kind of month-long stretch where after Kansas City where things just weren't clicking like they were offensively last year in 2020? And, and I bring this up, too, because you talk about Josh Allen and asking him to do so much. Like, do the Bills maybe ask him to do too much by not having a complimentary run game there, too? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, 
I sort of think that if Brian Dable was going to become a head coach, it was going to happen last year, right? Like the Bills offense was unbelievable. They scored 501 points, turned Josh Allen into an MVP candidate, right? From like a, a quarterback that people questioned if he's a legitimate franchise starting quarterback to number two in the MVP voting. If Aaron Rodgers hadn't thrown a touchdown pass on 10% of his attempts, you know, the, the yeah. MVP of the NFL lives in Orchard Park, New York right now, right? So like that was the moment. And so, yeah, the Bills offense isn't as good as it was last year. And I think part of that is, on Brian Dable. I think they've, they've had a bit of an issue with wanting to run the ball more and not necessarily having the ingredients to run the ball more. And I think they got away from some of the motion type concepts that they incorporated last year that made them very effective, uh, particularly in the red zone. You know, you've seen some of that go away. And I think that could put some, you know, put a wet blanket a little bit over Brian Dable and his head coaching candidacy. Um, so I think that's fair to bring that up. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, you, you, you gain, you have such an appreciation for what has been able to, to be accomplished offensively in Buffalo. I mean, the bills statistically still very good <laughs> offense, right? They still score a lot of points. They still move the ball a lot. They still have a ton of first downs. Like they move the ball effectively, but it's those situational moments. It's red zone. It's third downs in critical moments. It's not shooting yourself in the foot. And I do think that, you know, like I mentioned, some of that goes back to Josh Allen. A lot of that goes back to Brian Dable, right? And so you just have to clean that up. And um, if you thought he was – it's kind of like what you said about Matt Rule. It's like if you thought this guy was a legitimate NFL head coaching candidate last year, I'm not sure you should move off of that because that – let's be honest, like as much as we make that about X's and O's and how good the unit that you're responsible for is, it's about leadership, right? It's about being the yes. CEO of a football team. It's about – holding grown men accountable and establishing culture. It's, it's really not about X's and O's, but that's typically what gets these guys that job. And so to me, it goes back to, do you believe in Brian Dable as a leader of men? You know, that's, that's to me, what's important about Brian Dable and his head coaching candidacy. Although I, I think I, I certainly feel less, I feel better about him returning again this year than I did at the same point last year. Right. And it'll be interesting too to see how that plays out with a guy like Joe Brady, who had multiple head coaching yeah. interviews last year, if they still believe in him as a head coach. Because you're right, it's not necessarily about the X's and O's, it's about whether you can lead men. And I don't think there's any doubt that Sean McDermott can do that. He's done a fantastic job with the former Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator under Ron Rivera here a few years ago. He's built a monster in Buffalo. And I feel like you guys are set up well with Josh Allen and, and defensively. Now, last year, not the kind of defense I think a lot of people expected. There were some opt-outs to start Latula used to be here and maybe some injuries. What have you seen from that unit this year that seemed that they've bounced back to being the kind of Bills defense that you expect and the kind of really take on the personality of that city as hard-nosed and physical? Well, before we talk about good things with the Bills defense, let's, let's get Bills fans together. Let's get Panthers fans together, and let's unite over one thing. Vernon Butler is bad. <laughs> yes he is man what a disappointment what a disappointment so I what mean, a shock right carolina you, you, they certainly feel some type of way because he failed as a first round pick but the bills paid him they gave him the money right like they gave him a decent contract to come in this julian this guy is inactive like a healthy inactive several times this year and they called up players off of the practice squad that play defensive tackle to play over vernon butler like if you thought he was bad in Carolina, I promise you, he is worse. All right? So as we, as we reminisce on so many parallels and players that once played in Charlotte that are now in Buffalo, let's just go ahead and establish that Vernon Butler is disappointing. 
Now, you didn't ask me about that, but I had to find a reason to get it in. I, um, I'm so happy you did that, Joe. I, I know Panther fans are going to love that. I'm so happy you did goodness. that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been just, man, I, listeners of Lockdown Bills will tell you, my, my uh, frustration with Vernon Butler is well documented. This is con- the contract. Like, what are, you, what are you paying this guy? And they restructured to bring him back? Like, get out of here with that. Um, <laughs> the, the, defensively, the Bills are a good football team. Uh, a lot of investments, a lot of first-round picks all over the defense. Uh, the great coach and Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, obviously. Um, and I think it's this, this, just in, this beautiful marriage of talent coaching and time on task together. I mean, this, the core of this defense has been together for a long time. And so, you know, I, I say this, I feel like I say this every week during these crossovers, but you have a group of guys that, you know, they've seen everything they've played off of each other. They understand where everyone's going to be. They understand how everyone's going to respond and they play good ball. Now, obviously, Tredavious White is out for the season. The Bills' superstar cornerback, and, and that's yeah. you, know, you can't there, you can't overstate how important that loss is. He changes the way you you play defense. But you know, they have a a, a a scrappy young player in Dane Jackson that I thought played well against Tampa Bay in his first real test. You know, they threw the ball three times in the New England game, which was the first game without Trey White. But I thought Dane Jackson played well. He's a good tackler, and um, he's he, you know it's, he's such a benefit to him as a young player to step into a secondary and the bills are a base nickel defense. So there's slot corners on the field, every single snap. So you're talking about five starting secondary players. Four of those guys have been playing together since 2017. So what a great opportunity for a guy like Dane Jackson to step in and, Oh, there's Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Levi Wallace, and Taron Johnson who have played together since 2017. Right. And, and Oh, by the way, same thing with the linebackers, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds who have been starters since 2018. It's a great situation to just insert one guy into, right? And so that's that's kind of the, the story right now is it's just a talented group with good coaching and a lot of time on task together, and they play good ball. Yeah, I expect on Sunday, I mean, the Bills open up as 11.5-point favorites. I, I would expect the Bills' victory. They get that win. The season pretty much for them, and just looking ahead, because I, I am curious about this. I'm sure Panther fans, too, are. The New England game, that how much of a mental hurdle potentially is that for Buffalo? Is they still want to get, win the AFC East? Because you looked at 20 years of Brady and Belichick last year with Cam, they, they don't they, they don't make the playoffs. Buffalo has an amazing season. And the thought is that, hey, the Bills are now going to dominate the AFC East. Then now New England is 9-4, and four, has the Monday Night Football game. And I have to imagine Bill Spence like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how much, how, ment- how big mentally is that just for them next week when they play New England? Because I'm just in moving forward to trying to be another Super Bowl team. You trying to bite me into a sound clip here, Julian? You trying to, trying to get me to do the Sean McDermott thing and say, you know, let's not give Bill Belichick more credit than he deserves? Um, I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. I, it's, it's probably, I'm serving my own interest more than the, yeah. the listeners, but I'm, I'm very interested in this, man. Because I, I looked at it as like, damn, this is like Buffalo's chance. And I, yeah. I know a bunch of Bills fans here in Charlotte, and, they, and they're all just like, what the hell? This was our opportunity. I'm just like wondering, like, does, is this like next week? Like kind of that you got it you get them and it's like all right here we go like this can still happen oh we're just focused on the next game julian focus on the carolina panthers Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no i think you have you have a very fair question and i think i mean nobody was more ready for the patriots dynasty to end than the bills right like the jets and dolphins in the division they sometimes beat tom brady like it sometimes happened it never happened for the bills when tom brady was a quarterback in new england he, he was 32 and three against Buffalo. There was a point in time up until recently when Josh Allen changed this, that Tom Brady had the most wins as a starting quarterback 
in Buffalo from since like 2000. Like that's embarrassing. It's not even a quarterback, right? So after let's like, just be honest, like just getting your butt kicked for year after year, like not year after year for 10 years or 15, we're talking about like 20 years, right. Of just looking up at the Patriots and being measured against the Patriots and never being good enough and having to continuously change general managers and change quarterbacks and change head coaches because, well, you're not as good as the Patriots. You can't beat Bill Belichick, right? Like, yeah, it's definitely a big deal. I'm not going to try to like make little of it, but at the same time, I'm not ready to sit here and just give it back to new England, right? Like I, I think that they've improved, but I don't think we've learned everything that there is about Mac Jones. He's come in and played well. He's kept his head above water, but is he the type of difference maker? Is he a, a guy that's, you know, not necessarily, this is a one for one comparison, but we saw what Jimmy Garoppolo did with San Francisco. And then you just realize that there's a glass ceiling there, right? And you're like, well, he's, it's not going to be good enough. And so, yeah, I'm willing to let that play out before I say, oh my God, the evil empire is back because I like what the Bills have, right? And, and so to me, the New England Patriots fans should be excited about where their team is at, but there's no reason to crown them as fully back and ready to just have another run like they did before, right? Like Mac Jones has a lot to prove before we just say, oh yeah, that's the next Tom Brady and the Patriots are going to be good for another 20 years. Love it. I'm fired up for Sunday, Joe, uh, as we close out here. The only important question I have left to ask you is, are we watching the game at Lebowski's or Tavern on the Tracks? Julian, I'm watching the game in the stadium. We're heading up. We're going to. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, we're leaving on Friday. My wife, I'm bringing my daughter. She's not going to the game. She's two, or she turns two in January. We're not doing that. But uh, taking the in-laws, my brother David, we're going to be in the stands. It's going to be a big moment for my wife, right? Because, you know, she's a Carolina Panthers fan, and she's a hard Carolina Panthers fan. She loves them. I mean, the 2015 team, she loved it. But I'll tell you what, I'd be lying if I didn't say that the Bills are starting to creep in a little bit, right? And especially last uh -oh, year, right? Uh-oh. They're starting to creep in. They, she's she's in on Bills Mafia. She loves the listeners of the podcast. Uh, she you know she likes me, I think. Um, and so she she's happy that my team is finally good. And so we've seen some Bills Mafia enthusiasm. And she's admitted that the gap has, has narrowed. And I told her, I said, you're going to know. You're going to know. You're going to be sitting in Highmark Stadium on Sunday. You're going to see the Bills. You're going to see the Panthers. You'll know. You'll know who you want to win that game. And so it's a, a big week for a number of reasons, including that. Oh, my God. You're already converting her. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Knows, hey, well, though. yeah, that's that's great, though. Good for you guys. Enjoy safe trip up there. I'm sure the plane will be absolutely full. Can't imagine how much the flights are to Buffalo this weekend coming out of Charlotte Douglas. So have a good time there. And uh, to all the folks out there, make sure to check us out over on wherever you, you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find Joe on Locked On Bills. And you can find him on Twitter at what? Joe Marino? Is at it that the simple, jo Joe? The Joe Marino, yeah. At, at the Joe Marino. And you can follow me on Twitter. And you can check me out on Locked On Panthers at Julian Council. For Joe Marino and Julian Council, thank you so much for listening. Take care. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.